Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, church. Uh, I was not supposed to be speaking this morning. Red texted me and said, hey, bud, I'm not feeling so well. Um, you mind filling in? So I get the pleasure of sharing God's word with you this morning. So in Alabama, it doesn't seem like we have Omicron going on. We have Alabamacron going on where we go from 100 degrees to 10 degrees in like a two-day span. Um, and people are feeling under the weather. So <clears throat> even during worship, I was singing out and all of a sudden... I was like, oh, wow, I got a tickle in my throat there. So I got to rebuke that in Jesus' name, right? So pleasure seeing all of you guys here this morning. I shared a story, um, and I want to do so this morning um, just to raise our faith level, okay? So any individual experiences that we ever have with God is only to encourage our brothers and sisters, that God's faithful. He's not a respecter of persons, right? So Red's at home right now. He's not feeling good. He's probably watching, um, absolutely wishing he could be here. Um, and I was shared in Sunday school, I was in his predicament once upon a time. I was in the military station in Biloxi, Mississippi, and I started not feeling good at all. Um, the fluctuation of temperatures and all that, before you know it, my throat was pretty raw. I was coughing up blood. It was not pretty. And so um, I was trying to go to sleep. Anybody ever try to go to sleep feeling that way? I was not going to sleep. I was not getting much sleep at all, but I tried, you know. I had to get up and go to work the next day. And I got up in the middle of the night, it was probably 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, couldn't sleep, coughing my head off, you know, coughing up blood because it was such a horrible situation I was in. And I said, God, I don't know what to do about it. He said, turn on Christian television. So I turned on Christian television. There was some music going on. And he said, Mark, dance like David danced, like just absolutely lose it. And so in my living room in Gulfport, Mississippi, and hardwood floors, I absolutely lost it. Dancing like David danced. I mean, I just wore myself out so much so, I was like, I'm ready to go back to bed. I could sleep through an ice storm right now. I'm so tired, you know? I went back to bed, woke up completely healed. Not a sniffle, not a cough, nothing. We have a God who is 100% faithful. This year is a year of seeking. Um, and God's asking us to go after things like he's never asked us to go after things before. Red's messages this year, um, every year that I've been here, I mean, it's just been absolutely phenomenal. And I just want to piggyback on what he's been talking about. A year of seeking. A year of seeking. Can I whet your appetite this morning? Is that all right? So I talk about revival quite a bit. And the reason why I talk about revival is because I like lighting people's fires. Really. To see God come alive in people. To see people have this thirst and hunger for the things of God. Where they're not just satisfied with subpar Christianity. They're ready to go after God with their entire hearts. And see the breakthroughs that all scripture promises. And so can I do that this morning? I had a, a whole message prepared for Sunday school. And I thought, well, God, I can just use that message. And in worship, he completely changed it. So... We're going to 2 Samuel. My sweetheart is up at the computer this morning. So we're not going to the scriptures in which I gave you. I do apologize. Going to 2 Samuel chapter 6. Going to read some scripture this morning as we go through this chapter. It's going to be lengthy. Um, but just hold on. God's got a blessing on the other side of it, all right? So let me set the backstory. David is anointed king. He's got a lot to do. Um, he's filling shoes where the person before him, the king before him, did not do so well. And he wants to do it. He wants to serve God and do what's right with all of his heart. And so he gets this idea, listen, if I'm going to serve God with all of my heart, God's got to be present. Too oftentimes, there's godless situations, right? And we got marriages without God. We believe in God, but we don't see him evident in our marriages, right? We've got family situations where they're godless in a sense that we believe in God, but we don't see him evident in the situation. You can imagine David in the same kind of predicament. David's king. He's king over this promised land that God had given him. But the question was, where was God? See, God promised he'd be in that box. You guys remember? He promised that he would be in that box, the Ark of the Covenant, two golden cherubim on top. Absolutely beautiful. 
And he promised wherever that box was, that's where I would be. Well, he had the temple. He had all the forms of godliness, but without the presence of God. And he said, I've got to go get it. No matter what the cost is, I've got to get it. So today's message, if we were to give it one, is seeking is going to cost you something. Let me lay a foundation. I feel like this is where God wants to go. Let's put that scripture on the shelf for a second. So many of you guys probably don't know my story, but I wasn't raised in church. I didn't have that blessing. If you guys grew up in church, had Christian parents, that's fantastic. That is the absolute best testimony that you can have. Unfortunately, that's not my testimony. So oftentimes we think, hey, listen, my testimony isn't really great because God didn't save me from prostitution and drugs and all kind of stuff. No, no, no. The greatest testimony that you could ever have is that your parents served God and your grandparents served God and your great-grandparents served God. That's the greatest testimony any of us could ever have. Thank God for God rescuing people from the worst pits. But hey, listen, all of us were in a pit. And the greatest testimony is passing on God from one generation to the next. Well, that wasn't my story, unfortunately. So I grew up in a very abusive situation. When I say abusive, anything that you can think of went on. And I grew up as a little kid. My, I shared when we did the candlelight service, my mom was 15 when she got pregnant. 16 when I was born. Mom and dad had a very rough relationship. I remember as two years of age, getting up in the middle of the night and see broken furniture and them stabbing each other. I mean, it was really, really bad, guys. No joke. And I grew up in that kind of atmosphere. So growing up in, up in that kind of atmosphere, either you repeat or you do something different, right? I didn't want to repeat what mom and dad did. I didn't want to repeat what I saw in my family. I wanted to do something different. But you know what? I didn't trust in God. I trusted in me. I thought because I was in the gym. I thought because I had a tough attitude, right? A lot of anger and frustration could push anybody away. I thought I could take on the world. Well, for 22 years, I tried to do that to the point I was ready to commit suicide because nothing I did worked. And that's not because I didn't try. I tried with all of my heart. I definitely got an A for effort for trying, but it didn't work. When I say it didn't work, it didn't work, guys. All of my friends thought I had it going on. I had the car. I had the clothes. I had the girls. I had everything that supposedly would make you happy. I had it. They all wanted the stuff that I had. But I didn't have peace. I didn't have joy. And I wasn't saved. And on the inside, it was like hell going on on the inside of me. And I felt like I was living it every single day. I was in the Air Force, like I said. I was 22. It was August 1997. And for 22 years, no one ever shared the gospel with me. I later found out that I went to high school with Christians, worked with Christians. There were Christians all around me, but nobody ever once shared the gospel with me. They saw me hurting. They saw me destitute. They saw me struggling. But nobody ever once said, hey, listen, let me tell you about a Jesus who can save you. So at the age of 22, August 1997, I was invited with the young girl that I was in relationship with to go to church. And I thought, well, I'm about to end my life what will it hurt? I thought church was little, for little blue-haired ladies who had nothing to do on the weekend. I had, nothing, I had no idea that it was the power of God. No idea. So you can imagine me in the gym, thought I was a tough guy, take on the world, listen to heavy metal music. I had bad attitude. I thought I was the best, even though I was falling to pieces on the inside. And they said, Mark, I invite you to go to church. Great. So I went to church. This was no ordinary church service. And maybe you felt that coming into Seven Mile. Because we don't have ordinary church services. You can feel the power of God in here. And so I walked into that place, and all of a sudden I felt something different than I've ever felt before in my entire life. It's what David wanted. I just don't want steeples and pews. I want the presence of God. I just don't want microphones and speakers and good messages. No, 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 no. I've got to have the presence of God. And so I walked into that church, and all of a sudden, I felt something I never felt before. And that's what the world needs. It doesn't just need bumper stickers and Christian shirts, and that's great. 
but they need to experience the presence of God in you and I. That's the only thing that changes people. It's the only thing that changed me. And in 2 Samuel, David knew that. So they started doing praise and worship. I was no good. I was crying and snotting all over myself. I was trying to keep it together. There was no keeping it together. If you guys notice, I always sit on that side of the church, and I like it about two or three rows back. It's the most comfortable place for me in church because that's the exact place where I got saved in 1997. It's the power of God. So I didn't know. Like I, didn't know. I was green behind the ears. I didn't know what the numbers were for in the Bible. Like, who is a Noah and a Moses? Who are these people? I have no idea. So half the stuff the pastor was preaching, they were singing about, I didn't even understand. Right? Because you got like dot dots between numbers. I don't even know what the dot dot was for. You know, I just had no idea what any of this stuff was. But I knew that God was there. I knew God was there. And everything I searched for, I finally found. So worship's going, and I'm a mess. I can't keep it together, and there's not enough muscles in the world that can withstand the presence of God. There's not an attitude big enough that can stand up against God. And I was face-to-face -face with a decision. Either I was going to serve him, or I was going to keep thinking I could do life in me by myself. So the pastor gets up. Brother Broadus was his name. We called everybody brother and sister back then, you know. Brother and sister so-and-so. So his brother brought us, Pastor brought us. And so he's a little bald-headed man, had gold-rimmed glasses. I still remember his face to this day. And he got up and he began to preach a message. I can't tell you the name of the sermon. I can't even tell you the Bible verses he preached that day. I can't. But I can tell you it was filled with the presence of God. And I don't even know what his... I never met this man before in my life. I lived 18. I'm originally from Maryland. I lived 18 and a half hours from this man. I'd never seen this man before in my entire life, and yet he began to answer every question I had about life one right after another. It was like waves on a seashore that would wear down a rock, even a mountain, and it was wearing down my heart one sermon, one point, one word right after the next. And we used to say in church, he was reading your mail. He read my mail. He knew everything about me, even though I had no idea who this man was. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. Let's read. Second Samuel. Get my tablet working here. I got a new iPhone, and it doesn't want to connect all the time. So, all right. So, Second Samuel chapter six. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel. So he's getting the best of the best to get the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence, back to Israel. 30,000 of them. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the Ark of God. They're bringing the presence back, guys, whose name is called, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart. They didn't want anything cheap. And brought it out to the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahoy, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. So you can imagine 3,000 people. This is a sight to see. The choices of the choice. You can imagine those watching David's men bringing the ark of God back to Israel. An incredible sight. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, of fir wood, on harps and stringed instruments. This was a joyous occasions, on tambourines, on sistrums. If you guys know what that is, I have no idea. It probably sounded really pretty, right? And on cymbals. And when they came to <clears throat> Nakin's threshing floor, Uzzah put his hand on the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him, struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. 
David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Oftentimes, we're not experiencing the presence of God because it takes holiness. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. There's a way to bring God's presence, and they knew it was going to cost them. They knew it, and it cost a man's life just because he didn't respect it the way he was supposed to be respected. So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. So you can imagine, again, setting a stage. We'll read the rest in just a second. David gathers his choice men. Let's go get the presence of God. You can imagine they were psyched. You can imagine they were excited. They got all their instruments. They're playing. I mean, they're having a joyful time. They disrespect the ark of the Lord, and immediately Uzzah is struck dead. So for three months, I wonder what David thought. I wonder what he calculated daily, hourly. How are we going to do this? We had problems. We had difficulties. But I can't stop. Just because we lost one, I've got to get God's presence back. So all he's doing is planning. For three months, he's trying to figure this thing out. He's not going to get discouraged. He's not going to let setback keep him from the promises of God. And neither can we, church. Neither can we. How many times have we prayed, not seen an answer, then we get discouraged, right? Like David, we can't get discouraged. We have to say, these are the promises of God. And no matter what setbacks I go through, God's faithful and I'm going to get a hold of it. David didn't let anything stand before him. And church, neither should we. Let's read. Now, it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. Wherever God's presence is, there's blessings that overflow. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was. When those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six places, he sacrificed ox and fattened sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all of his house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael that's Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw king leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. You know, sometimes we can be too proud. Sometimes we're too worried about what other people think in our own makeup versus going after God the way that's necessary to see the blessings and the breakthrough that God really wants, right? Well, David's wife was that way. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. So he was prepared. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins, so that all the people departed, everyone, to his house. There is a cost. There is a price to have the relationship that God really wants to have with you. Let me say it this way in a very human way. To have the marriage relationship that you know that you can have with your significant other, there's a price that you have to pay. To have the relationship that you know that you can have with your kids, there's a price that you have to pay. To own your own business, there's a price that you have to pay. To be an honest employee, there's a price that you have to pay. If you're going to work out in the gym, there's a price that you have to pay. They say the, the hardest equipment in the gym is the front door, right? So there's a price that you have to pay. If you're going to eat healthy and take care of yourself, there's a price that you have to pay. And with God and with the relationship that God's called us to, there's a price that we have to pay. Let me say it this way. 
when I got saved, there was a massive revival. When I say massive revival, it was spreading all over America. It was spreading all over the world. Again, I didn't even know what a revival was. I didn't know what a John 3.16 was, you know? And they said, Mark, do you want to go to this revival? Uh, is that in the Bible somewhere? Like, <laughs> is that a book that I haven't read yet? Like, what is revival, you know? And they said, oh, no, no, no. Like, the church is exactly like you see in the New Testament. I'm like, isn't every church supposed to be like we see in the New Testament, you know? Like, what's going on? And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. They prayed for years. And it was Father's Day 1995 that God poured out His Spirit and it radically changed the entire congregation. And it was August 1997. I just got radically saved. And they're like, hey, do you want to go to this revival? And I'm like, sure, let's go to the revival. I'm like, where is this revival? And they're like, oh, it's about three hours away. I'm like, I don't know if I want to spend three hours in a car, but sure, let's go, you know? So I get to the revival, and there are literally lines that last for miles just to get into church. Did you guys have to go through a line today? Now, at a restaurant, I've been through some lines, right? They get a little beeper thing, let you know when, you're, when your table's ready. Like, I've stood in some lines in my life, but not like this. Lines that lasted for miles and miles and miles. And just like David, super excited, they're singing hymns and worshiping God in the lines in front of stores and restaurants and everything else like that. And I'm thinking, this is interesting. I've never seen anything like this before in my life. Like, I had a really cool experience at the church there in Biloxi, but now I'm seeing this. Like, this is unreal. And they're like, yeah, it happens every single night this way. Do what? You still have church services on Sunday? You mean like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Yeah, yeah, we don't even know what time we're going home. Don't you guys got to go to work? Like, I got to go to work, you know? And they're like, yeah, like God gives you the strength. And guys, I was green behind the ears. I had no idea what any of this stuff meant. And they're like, yeah, let's just hang out in the line for many hours, half a day, and we'll get into the church. And I was like, okay, we'll just hang out in the line. So I'm just hanging out in the line, and I'm a pretty friendly person, so I'm just talking to other people in the line. And all of a sudden, I meet a guy from Japan. I was like, oh, this is interesting. So how did you hear about the revival? I'm a brand new Christian. I just learned this term. I feel pretty important. Revival. So I'm like, how did you hear about this revival? You know? He's like, well, yeah, God woke me up in the middle of the night, told me to buy a plane ticket. So I got on the plane, and now I'm standing in line with you. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I got to meet some more people. So I'm starting meeting some different people. You know, I mean, they got Christian T-shirts on. Like, it is, it is church outside of church. It is absolutely phenomenal, right? And so I meet this guy from China. And I'm like, oh, okay, fantastic. Okay, I like Chinese food. I'll just talk to him. So I'm like, hey, revival. How did you hear about the revival? I'm waiting for this really cool God answer. And sure enough, it was a really cool God answer. He's like, oh, yeah, God woke me up in the middle of the night, told me to buy a plane ticket, and now I'm standing in line with you. Oh, this is really cool. All right, so let's just keep going. So I'm just talking to more people, and I'm meeting people from all over the United States. God told them to come, so they're coming. I'm like, okay, awesome. Meet a guy from Portugal. Yep, bought a plane ticket. God told him, standing in line with me that day. So it's just a really cool situation. We're just having church outside of church, just waiting for church to start. And then the doors open. I say, okay, God, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm in, you know? You know, I don't know if David knew what it was going to look like. But was he in? Yeah. With all of his heart, he was in. So doors open and we start going in and like it was a whole other level. So I, like when I got saved in Biloxi, Mississippi and I went, you know, August 1997 and I got saved in the presence of God. But when we walked into there, it was a whole other level. I thought, this is going to be a good service, right? So then praise and worship started and I, we've got people weeping over here, people kneeling over there, people rushing up. I mean, the whole place is completely filled. I'm thinking someone's going to call the fire department because I think we've got way too many people in this building, you know. Like there is a sea, a sea, and just as far as I could see. I mean, it's just like people everywhere. I'm thinking... The, the upstairs is going to collapse with all the people on it. You know, I mean, there are just literally people everywhere in the church worshiping God like I've never seen before in my entire life. Much like David. David danced his clothes off. He was going that wild after Jesus. And it was like that at church that day. 
By the time the pastor got up and he was preaching, like, I was worn out. I'm dancing, hands raised, shouting, screaming, like I'm just going after it. And by the time the pastor got up there, wow, it was so powerful. Every time they had an altar call at the end, they sang the, they sang the exact same song called Mercy Seat. If you don't know, the mercy seat was actually in the middle of the cherubim where the presence of God would rest. And they would sing, come running, come running, come running to the mercy seat. And you would see people literally running down the aisles, falling on their faces. You're talking about people who practice witchcraft, Satanism. It didn't matter. Just running with all of their heart. My wife actually got saved at the revival. It was absolutely unreal. And I said, hey, hold up. Like, this goes on every single night. And they're like, yeah, this goes on every single night. We can't have enough church services around here because God's doing an amazing thing. It's unreal. Anybody ever read God Chasers at all? Tommy Tinney? Yeah. Phenomenal book. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. You can get it from eBay probably for like a couple dollars. So, so Tommy Tinney would come and preach. Tommy Tinney was from Louisiana, so not too far from where the revival was. And he would come and preach. And I remember, like, I'm traveling back and forth because I'm like, hey, when are we traveling three hours again to go to the revival, you know? And so I'm just getting people in church, hey, listen, when are we going to that revival again? So we'd hop in the car on the weekends and we're headed back towards the revival. And one day, I didn't even know who Tommy Tenney was. And Tommy Tenney started to preach. And he talked about having a thirst and a hunger for God, much like we see with David, like hungering and thirsting for the things of God. And so he would get up and he talked about the fact that you ever had, you know, static electricity, you know, zap you. We play with balloons and put balloons on walls with the static electricity. It's different if you get static electricity than grabbing a hold of 220 volts. He said oftentimes we settle for static goosebumps instead of getting a hold of real power. And David knew it. David knew I've got to get a hold of the real power. I can't have goosebumps. We can't pretend here. I've got to have the presence of God. So I remember uh, they built a, a whole other building just to house all the people. It's story time with Mark this morning. I hope you don't mind. So this is what you get when uh, Red says, hey, preach the last minute. So, so, oh, somebody's being called. All right. So, so they had this other building as, as overflow because so many people were coming. So I didn't get there to stand in the line long enough to actually get into the main building. So I'm just in the overflow. So we got a screen like this. And we're watching the entire service. And I, I feel cheated. Because I'm thinking, man, it's going to move over there and I'm in here. My human mind. I'm glad that God, God does more than we could ever ask or think. More than our imagination. The Spirit of God fell in that building. There were kids, the elderly, middle-aged adults, anybody and everybody in between. And the whole place, hundreds upon hundreds of people, are on their face crying out to God. So you can imagine two-year-olds on their face crying out to God. Teenagers on their face crying out to God. I mean... The, Oh, it's cheapening this, but when I say crying out to God, I'm not talking about, wah. Like, we're talking about gut-wrenching, going after God, like a hunger coming out of people that you've never even heard before. It was absolutely unreal. Everywhere, it looked like a battlefield. There was not one single person in the entire auditorium in a seat. Everybody, man, woman, and child, were on their faces before God. See, David wanted to bring God's presence back because he knew what God's presence brought. In revivals, let me tell you, for those who think that God sends revivals, he doesn't. He is revival. Revival is a person. Ask Lazarus if he brings dead things back to life. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, in your marriage, in your life, in your business, at work, it doesn't matter. He actually can resurrect the dead. And he's ready to do it this morning. He is the reviver. So Tommy Tinney is preaching. I mean, it's absolutely powerful. We're watching on the screen. This is happening before my eyes. Again, I'm new at all this stuff. I didn't even understand what all this stuff was. I'm like, I'm game if it brings God's presence, you know? So I'm on my face as well, and it's just all oh, the hunger and thirst. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those who hunger and, and thirst. So, it, I mean, it went on forever. It didn't seem like ever, but I mean, it felt like the next day mostly. And I don't even know what time of day it was because you never got notice when you're leaving the place, you know. When you got to go back to Biloxi, Mississippi, three hours away so you can, you know, be up in time for work the next day. And so oftentimes God would show up in your car on the way back to wherever you were traveling from. You had to pull over because God's presence would be so strong. Well, in that auditorium, God's presence like that, I'm thinking, well, let me get the tape. That was back in the day where you bought the cassette tapes in church. Anybody remember that? Okay. So I, I had to get the tape because I had a cassette tape. Yeah, I'm listening to that bad boy all the way back home to Biloxi. So I got to get the tape. Guys, I can't even stand to my feet. Like, I'm literally like this. And I can't even stand up. My back was all right, okay? So it wasn't that my back went out, you know? No, no, no. The glory of God had settled so strong in that place that you couldn't even stand to your feet. So man, woman, and child all over the auditorium couldn't stand to their feet. I'm thinking, I still got to get a cassette. And I got to cross the street to get to the main building to get the cassette. Because I'm not leaving without this cassette. So I'm walking like this, one step in front of the next just to try to cross the street, get into the next building, get my cassette. And so the lady behind the counter can't stand up. She's trying to take my money, give me my cassette tape. I can't stand up. I'm trying to get the cassette tape from off the counter. And you could hear the wails still going on in the service. Like, we end it in the overflow. They're still going on. Guys, I threw my Bible down. I opened the doors and just dove in. Like, I'm like, hey, listen, part two, I'm getting seconds. Like, I need some more of this. And walk in and the power of God moving so powerfully. They had a prayer team. Like, you know, uh, we talked about prayer on Saturdays. We started prayer on Saturdays because every time there's a move of God, people pay the price, go after God in prayer and fasting and become really serious about God moving, right? It was no easy thing for David to bring the art back. Let me repeat that. To organize, to do, brand new cart, everything they've got going on, it was no easy thing for David to bring the cart back. But every step was worth it. It, was no easy after, it wasn't easy after they made a mistake. Now they're bringing tons of animals, so they got a whole herd of animals and sacrificing it along the way. It was no easy thing to get the presence of God, but it was absolutely necessary. So as I walked into the main auditorium of the church, I remember people, again, like a, a battlefield, nobody on their feet whatsoever, people everywhere crying out to God. And I was thinking, wow, this is absolutely amazing. Part two seconds. This is going to be wonderful, right? And so the prayer team, because they had a prayer team, and I remember this man, it was no joke. Um, he, would be, he was so full of the presence of God, like it, it's almost like, uh, Moses in the Old Testament, when he came down from Mount Sinai, the Bible says his, his actual face glowed like the sun. It glued like the sun. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, us with unveiled faces. Moses had to cover his face. Us with unveiled faces show the glory of God to mankind around us. And I remember that man. I don't even know his name. But the power of God was so strong in him, it took every bit of might to take one step in front of the next. People were getting healed. People were getting delivered as he became close to those people. Because people are not interested in good Bible knowledge. They're interested in the God that you serve. And people deserve an encounter with God because he lives inside of you and I. Those experiences changed my life forever because I encountered God. I encountered God. David knew this. So I remember this man as he's making his way down through the aisles, you know. And so he's making his way down through the aisles just one step. It seemed like it took forever for him to walk. People getting healed, delivered, just up and down the aisle. It was absolutely unreal. I felt almost afraid. We read here that David felt afraid because he made a mistake. How many times do mistakes keep us back from the presence of God? Right? We didn't handle him the right way. We didn't do it the right way. 
David didn't let it hold him back, though. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you have a father with open arms. And you might see God blessing somebody else. Just like David saw God blessing old Obed-Edom, right? And you know that those blessings are only a presence away. And take the journey, church. Get the presence. It's worth it every time. It's worth it every time. Revival. I hope I've whet your appetite this morning for more. Holy Ghost goosebumps, that's awesome. Feeling moved during worship, that's awesome. Being encouraged with a sermon, challenged, love read sermons, fantastic. Some of the best, by far. But you know what? There's so much more. So much more. This year's a year of seeking. In other words, God's giving us an invitation. And it's got your name on it, sent to your address. And God wants us to open an invitation and come running. Bring the presence of God to schools. Do you know during this revival, no joke, no exaggeration whatsoever, during this revival, the police had nothing to do. Nothing to do. Nothing to do. They're like, oh, we're just sitting around eating donuts, right? I mean, they had absolutely nothing to do. Why? Because God's presence came home. Came home. Abortion rates dropped. Kids' school grades skyrocketed. Everything changed. Everything shifted. I remember there was a two Playboy bunnies who flew in to where this revival was going on, uh, and they told the taxi cab driver, said, hey, listen, we want to go to that most happening place in the area. So, Because the revival was so impactful, when you flew in to the airport, they actually gave you directions to the, to the church. No doubt. Because that's where everybody was going. So these two Playboy bunnies show up and say, hey, take us to the most happening place. And the taxi driver's like, okay, yeah, absolutely. So they were quite surprised when they pulled up to church. They're like, uh, I think you misunderstood us. Like, we want the most happening place in this area. And the taxi cab driver said, this is it. Listen, there's not an action movie. There's nothing the world could ever dream of that's more impactful, that's more joyful, that's more wonderful, that's more adventurous than serving God. They can't compete. They can go virtual reality, you got reality. Amen? So they said, okay, yeah, yeah um, okay, you dropped us off here, we'll just go check it out, and uh, we'll call you because we probably won't be staying. Go in, get radically wrecked by the presence of God, change your lives forever. And story after story. That's what the church is for. It changed my life, and it changed your life. And God's after their life, and his life, and her life, one right after the next. And he loves us that much. Seeking. Seeking. If you're going to get more than what you have, you're going to have to do more than what you've done. Right? Let me say it one more time, because that's really good. All right. So if you're going to get more than what you have gotten in the past with God, you're going to have to do more than what you've done. Fasting is this weird uncle of the church that we don't really talk about anymore. So uh, I'm going to talk about our weird uncle. So fasting is a very important thing. So I would encourage you, as you're seeking God this year, fast. Set aside a day of fasting, right? Seek God. Prayer. Prayer is this weird uncle as well. Um, when they were... They were so concerned when God asked them to start a prayer meeting at this church where this revival happened for over five years, okay? This revival went night after night, five years. Unreal, okay? God wants a revival that lasts to his coming. He does. I'm going to say it one more time. God wants a revival that lasts to his coming. He does. He does. Night after night. So God asked the pastor to start a prayer meeting. He told, the, he told God... God, that's the most least frequented church of all the week. Like, people don't come to prayer meetings, you know? And God said, if you want a move of God, 
If you want the presence of God to come back, like David was bringing back the presence of God, it has to be on the back of prayer. It's the only way to do it. So they started a prayer meeting, and that's what changed everything. I've studied, after this experience with God, I have studied history, the history of revivals all around the world. And it didn't stop, and it didn't start with that revival. And it's happening again and again and again. There was the Bay of the Holy Spirit in Mobile. And there was a lady well-known in that area. She was crippled. Everybody knew she was crippled. Many, many years was crippled. She was in a wheelchair, got prayed for, and stood up in Jesus' name. Could you imagine what that took and what that shifted in the entire area of all the people that knew she pushed herself around and now she's walking around? God wants to so do something in this church and in your lives that he is unmistakable to the people around us. I'm going to say that again. It's so good. God wants to do something in our lives so powerful that he becomes unmistakable. They can't chalk it up to religion. They can't chalk it up to devotion or drinking the Kool-Aid. No, no, no. This is the power of God for the salvation of men. Why? Because church is not for little blue-haired ladies. You and I are here this morning because he changed us. Because the gospel is the power of God. And because he's not done yet. I'm going to say it one more time. He is not done yet. It was finished on the cross so it could start in you and I. It will one day be finished when he comes back again. But until that day, he is not done yet working through you and I to change the world around you. To change the world around me. One person at a time. And don't let it become overwhelming. Don't put an undue weight on you that's not supposed to be there. The joy of the Lord is your strength, Scripture tells us. So find the joy. It was joy that brought David to get the ark. It was joy. It was joy that made him dance his clothes off because he finally got it back. It was joy. If you're serving God and don't have the joy that you need, I pray that God's Holy Spirit this morning will renew the joy inside of you, the joy of your salvation. Amen? Well, listen, I'm done. I hope you left better than when you came today. Hope you're encouraged. Really. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And you and I are just ordinary people called to live extraordinary lives, not because of what we do, but because of what we allow him to do inside of us. It's just submitting. It's just yielding. It's just giving him the opportunity. Because he doesn't just love you and I, He died for the entire world, and he loves them as well. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for today. God, thank you for this year that is a year of seeking. God, we want to see things that we have never imagined yet. Give us a hunger and expectation for these things, God. Help us not get satisfied with the mundane things of life, because only your presence will satisfy. Help us to take this passage of Scripture, this hunger that David had, to adopt as our hunger. To not let anything at all, Father, substitute your presence. And what I felt so far, far, and what we have felt so far, Father, we're grateful for. May we never become spoiled. May we always be grateful. But, Father, we do know that there's more. And that's what we hunger for. As deep calls unto deep, God, our hearts cry out to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. It's good to see everyone. Have a great day.